I know Ojo is on this. I saw a box score the other day in Europe. Yeah, Jeff was, Greer uh, yeah. is over there. Um, Same game as a... Marcus Page and uh, uh-huh. now James Michael Ray McAdoo. Is that is that what was that about? Is that this? Are we sure it's the same guy? I don't know. Dude, <laughs> James. Listen, I covered James. I like James a lot. Actually, really thoughtful kid, nice kid. I just. My advice for him is don't don't add a Ray to your name unless you're trying to become like a serial killer. It is James Michael Ray. Uh, yeah, that, that I saw that and I was like, oh, what what we we added another one. I think he's out of names though. If Wikipedia is correct, he has no more names to add. He is James Michael Ray McAdoo. Uh, oh my god. So maybe he'll have a son. Maybe he does have a son, or, and he'll add a senior or something. Welcome to an ACC podcast. I am Lauren Brownlow, and this week, or this weekend, previewing, I am joined by ACC Network producer, and you all might know him a little better right now if you've been on ACC Twitter for any length of time as Statman extraordinaire, uh, former research and stats guy from ESPN, uh, Brian Ives. Hi, Brian. Hi, Lauren. Thanks for having me. Um, Statman extraordinaire is exactly what's on my resume. So I appreciate you, uh, you you passing that along. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something too where I know if I need to dig up a good stat, I can just go to your Twitter feed because even now, even though that's not your primary role, like you will break out those stats and and you very not that long after uh, going into this weekend when it was announced College Game Day is going to Duke Carolina. Uh, you did break out the whole, the last 100, what is it? The last 50 games? Yeah, the last 100 games. It's the note that, uh, it's the note that the internet likes a lot, uh, that me and my research department don't always like, because it's very, you know, picking a sample size. But yeah, last 100 meetings between Carolina and Duke, 50-50 wins, and both had the exact same number of points. So, uh, I mean, I'm sorry. It gets the world in a frenzy. It's, that's a wild stat. Like, it just is. It's not like it's since like 2010. It's since 1979. You know, it's 40 plus years of of games. So that's uh, some guy. Uh, I, I apologize, I forget his name, but re- replied to me with a whole thread of uh, the chances of that happening, and he like couldn't even figure it out. It was so minute. So um, it's pretty nuts. Wow. Yeah, I was gonna say like I was gonna say regardless of like the sample size you pick or whatever, it's still that's still a wild stat. Um, yeah. Now, those teams don't seem to be super even this year. <laughs> um, you did say, because there was initial pushback at the notion of college game day going to sure. Duke Carolina, and I understand why. I mean, Carolina's 10 and 12 right now. They're not the Carolina of old, as it were. But what I, I you said, you also said this wasn't the first time that an under 500 team has had game day? No, it's not. Um, I don't remember all the cases. Um, off the top of my head, I know Creighton, it was, it was like Creighton visited Southern Illinois, I think. I think it was when McDermott was there. Um, and okay. Southern Illinois was below 500. Um, you know, I mean, there, there, if you look at the slate this weekend, um, and there've been other examples, I believe, but if you look at the slate this weekend, they're really, um, I mean, Villanova Seton Hall is sticks out. Um, yes. but, uh, there, there, I mean, I, I, was never part of the decision making there, but um, I think they're different 
rules and regulations about where game day can go. Um, with with like which network has which games. Yeah, that'd be that. That's what I assume. So um, obviously that limits the scope of games they can go to. But um, other than that, there's not a lot on the dock. I think Auburn hosts LSU, but they were just at Auburn last week. So, um, I mean, as Carolina Duke, it's still going to get the most eyeballs, no matter if one team's 0-20 or the other team's 20-0. and um, It's still, you know, for non for people outside the college basketball world, it is still the game that everybody watches. Um, people always call it the unofficial start of college basketball season. Um, usually it'd be on a Wednesday. But uh, this year's on a Saturday, which um, will enhance viewership, you would think. Um, so, uh, so you know, I get it on the surface. I mean, it is still the game of, of um, notice whenever they play. Yeah, and I mean, I hope that if people, if college, if if casual college basketball fans are hopping in for this game, yeah, they might they might be hopping into. Uh, I mean, I don't know. They'll be hopping on to, in, in to see what happens. Maybe maybe watch Cole Anthony. Maybe watch Vernon Carey. Um, but, yeah, if they're hopping in because they're expecting um, a – I think they're running all the old Carolina Duke games this week. If they're hopping in to expect uh, the games we saw last year, the games we saw especially in uh, 2018, then, um, then they might be disappointed in the quality of play. I'm sure you, like me, grew up watching these games and went to Carolina like I did. Mm-hmm. What do you remember a time where it certainly felt at least this lopsided in terms oh. of like what we expect to see? Oh, certainly. I think the uh, the early two thousands. Yeah, oh um, two for sure. Yeah, even more so. Just I mean, and even quite frankly, uh, right after even the two thousand one. Um, games that 2001 Duke team was absolutely stacked, so good obviously yeah um and that Carolina team uh they they were they had just come off their you know final four um surprise run in 2000 but really there wasn't you know if you look at that roster I think I mean they had Forte who drugged them to a win literally by himself um yeah I believe that year in Cameron um I've actually talked to Carlos Boozer about that he he he's brought up probably brought up Joe Forte's name out of the blue, like six times, just like that guy, you know, that guy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think those early 2000 games are probably even more lopsided to me, probably more so because of how good Duke was. Right. Um, I don't do Duke, yes. Duke now is a fine team, but they aren't even close to the level of talent that those early 2000s teams were. Yeah. And I would argue too, that the 2002 UNC team, yeah. Is had more talent than this current crop. I I, th- I think uh, it's more balanced for sure. Um, they certainly don't have a player. That team did not have a player that uh, of Cole Anthony's stature and who would go on to have a career that many expect Cole Anthony to have in the NBA. I think Jawad Williams is the only player in that team that even um, played a game in the NBA. But they had, you know, Jason really? Capel was a good – I think so. Jason Capel was a good college player. Chris Lang was Jason a good college Capel. player. Jason Capel is um, so underappreciated, man. <laughs> I know. I always feel bad for him because he because his senior year, you know, he, he was part of that team that went eight and twenty. Um, when he had some good moments, Carolina had triple double, had a good ACC tournament. Just uh, unfortunately, was uh, was the leading role, the leading guy on that eight and twenty team, and that's tough for him. Um, but yeah, Jawad and th- those guys were freshmen, and we know what they did a few years later as, as seniors. Um, Adam Boone, Brian Morrison, so they had some like. On paper, talent, I think, more so than uh, this current team. But uh, that team played zero defense. 
which is also harder to identify um, when you're watching a game. This current team struggles tremendously offensively, and when you watch it, you're like, oh my gosh, they're bad offensively. It's much harder to watch a game and realize how bad a team is defensively, um, which that 8-20 and team was just just atrocious on that side of the ball. Yeah, and to be fair to that 8-20 and team, um, the, ta- the, the teams around them were way better. Yes, yes, Maryland, the- obviously, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, the competition was on another level. And they still never lost, uh, what, six straight ACC games or whatever the current team lost. So they, ne- they never did that. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, yep. that's it's, – it's weird. I mean, uh, you've been to plenty of Carolina Duke games too. They always have a certain feel in mm-hmm. the air. In, you know, it's just an electricity and sort of an energy. And the last time I remember there being like this low of an expectation for like the quality of the game or like the, the competitiveness was probably 2010 maybe? Yeah, 2010, uh, the one at Cameron, um, I think that, uh, yeah, that one was, quite frankly, maybe the only, I was a senior in college, and I was on spring break, and I wanted nothing to do with that game. But you Uh, remember part, you remember the first meeting, actually, like Carolina kept it, uglied it up and kept it kind of close. Yes, yes, uh, which is going to be the key on on Saturdays ugling it up but uh but yes I do remember that uh I believe I'm trying to remember off the top of my head um yeah they lost by like 10 but they scored I mean they scored 54 points um yeah and they slowed the, it down I think yeah for and they Roy. scored 50 at Cameron like so Oof. when you a Carolina team scoring 104 points in two games I don't know no matter the opponent's a little rough um but yeah the 2010 I would agree um, I think the last time they played them when Carolina was unranked might have been 2014. I think they actually won. Yeah, that um, sounds right. Uh, I think uh, when was it? Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, 2000 February 20th, 2014. Duke was fifth. Carolina was unranked, um, and that was the game in which uh, Leslie McDonald <laughs> had 21 points. So they're going to need some sort of. Uh, performance like that from a from a guy that they, they don't expect um obviously you're gonna need anthony to do his thing but they're gonna need points from um from elsewhere i think to uh to pull a similar upset this week so you had a thread and i wanted to bring this up mm-hmm. with you because i thought this thread was really interesting about cole anthony and this is a this is an interesting case i think of our eyeballs versus you know the numbers um and how we can sort of marry those two together a little bit right because I think Mm -hmm. we've seen this team um the numbers certainly would show that this team is better you know numerically with Cole in the lineup there are certain players who are not as we see with Garrison Brooks and the numbers and the eyeballs back that up um I wanted to get on that part first do you think there's anything about Cole's style of play or anything that lends itself to better numbers for Baycott versus Brooks Um, yeah, uh, I was discussing that with some people the other day. I think Baycott is um, – he's not as good as Brooks at sort of the traditional back to the basket, get fed right. in the post, make a move, score. Um, Brooks is. And you get um, – Adrian Atkinson pointed out that Carolina averages about uh, two times as many post-entry passes without Anthony than with him. 
that doesn't mean they don't get the ball down low more. It's just they get more traditional – or scoring the paint more. It just mean they get more traditional entry passes. And that's better for Brooke because, you know, he gets the guy on his back. He has a little turnaround jumper. He has more moves. Um, whereas Baycott struggles to finish, as we've seen this year, um, when he gets ball in those traditional positions. What Baycott's good at is sort of cleaning up the junk, going up mm-hmm. and getting the rebounds that – that Cole Anthony might miss or someone might miss uh, working off, working a little bit off pick and roll, more tradi- more um, common sort of NBA type type offense. Um, that's where Baycott's a little better, um, which is why I think you see his efficiency um, scoring wise skyrocket when Anthony plays versus um, when he doesn't. Now where um, Baycott does struggle when Anthony is in is, and both big men do is passing. Um, Baycott was becoming a little bit of a facilitator before Anthony came back. A lot of big-to-big passing between he and Brooks. Yep. Um, that's almost that, – that essentially disappeared. Um, so, with Anthony, it's different. Um, it, your eyeballs when you watch Carolina with Cole Anthony, um, the offense is, quite frankly, looks uglier. Um, there's a lot, a lot of, of ISO. Yeah. Yep. It's, it, um, it's a lot of late clock – well, there have been a lot of late clock situations anyways for Carolina. Yes. But a lot of ISO uh, – you know, it's just not as pretty. The results aren't that different. Um, it's bad <laughs> either way, but um, it is just—it's it's, just—it's just not as pretty of a game um, when Cole Anthony is playing. But the results, you know, on offense at least, the results are um, are fairly similar. And I mean, I get it in a sense too. You're going to get the ball to Garrison Brooks in the low post when Cole Anthony isn't there because he's your best offensive threat. Correct. And- Versus when Cole's in the game, in theory, he's your best offensive threat. But I guess the ISO stuff isn't working the way they want it no, to. It's, I mean, it's college basketball. Um, <clears throat> Cole Anthony's a great player, but you know he's not. He's not going to come in to a game for forty minutes at least. Um, even versus Notre Dame, it took. I mean, it, he heated up in the second half. It's really hard to keep that going for forty minutes in a college basketball game. The players simply aren't on that level yet most of them to just be on um especially with he does have um i think roy mentioned this on either his radio show or teleconference or something yesterday he he has talked to anthony about his shot selection because he does take some shots um that we're not used to seeing carolina players take um those pull-ups from five um and he's make he makes plenty but um when they're not going in it raises eyebrows it's quote unquote, not how Carolina plays basketball, you know, we share the ball, you know, so it does get people a little frustrated, but that is how a lot of teams play basketball these days, how a lot of players play um, simply because of the, um, what a three point shot can do, you know, the efficiency of making a three point shot versus working really hard for a two, but it is just so unusual to see for a Carolina team. um, Yeah. I I mean, how do they – I mean, they've got to figure out a way, I guess, to incorporate him into what they do offensively. I, yeah. I mean, and it's not – I think – I mean, you look at their past three point guards, Joel Berry, Page, and uh, and Kobe White. None of those guys were past first point guards. No. Um, they're all – they're all score first point guards. So – and so is Cole. Cole is very much a score first point guard. So I just – I mean, but at the same time, you look at who those guys had around them. Um, there's nobody, there's nobody remotely on the level in terms of wing play as there was last year. Um, not even up to the level of a Kenny Williams who was, um, who struggled a bit last year. People forget that he wasn't a, wasn't as good of a shooter last year as he was his junior year, but there's Mm -hmm. no one even like that, that you can 
that he could pass the ball off and hope to make a shot. It's really um, a struggle on the perimeter to find scores. So if Cole Anthony gets to the lane, you know, a lot of times he's the guy that's going to have to force something up. Um, maybe he needs yeah, to trust his teammates to make something more. Um, I mean... But based on, <laughs> based on the numbers, like, there's no reason for him to. Um, but, you know, you would like to see um, a little bit more uh, ball movement, I guess, when he when he is in the game. Yeah, it's it's the stat that you tweeted that was wild to me was the transition stat. Yeah, yeah, that that so this I mean it, so for those who didn't see it, Carolina, um, three hundred fifty three Division One teams, they are three hundred fifty second. Good in, God! In transition score and efficiency, um, they average like point seven points per play in transition. And what that, that screams is- to me is they just don't have any finishers. Like they right. don't have. Anybody who like I, I I don't want to pick on him, but if but poor Andrew Playtech driving to the lane, you know we've seen him get swatted numerous times this year. They just don't have the guys that on the break can get to the rim and finish, or Justin the guys, Pierce. yeah, Justin yeah. Pierce. You know, like they're always it's it's frustrating to watch because they always are seemingly in the right position and doing the right thing. It just comes down to a point of are you physically able to make a shot? Um, and whether it's on the wing or driving down low, it has been a struggle. It's uh, certainly a struggle for um, for uh, a lot of the guys. You know, Pierce and and Playtech are certainly certainly um, options. Leaky Black, even though he's six foot eight, really struggles to finish at the rim. Um, it's because he wants are, to take that mid range shot. Oh, that mid range <laughs> shot. You know, you know, unless you're Demar Derozan, that shot uh, that shot should not be in your in your or Joe Forte. Speaking of Joe Forte, that shot should not be in your uh, in your bag of tricks, especially when or you're he, six foot eight. Or he needs to change it even to like maybe tweak it to make it that like Marcus Page little floater. Yes, uh, or the Justin Jackson the- who would take his floater from like yes. fifteen feet out. Uh, but Lee, to Leahy's credit, he's um, shooting the ball a lot better. Yeah, um, he's been a lot perimeter. better recently. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I, I think he. Has, I think we actually even saw against Florida State. It was a, uh, even though it was when Florida State at the end of the first half went on that nine zero run to sort of completely squash any momentum Carolina had in that game. Um, he was playing on the ball. I think late in that first half with Anthony playing off the ball, and I thought the offense got a couple good looks. They got a wide open three for Pierce. Um, they got another wide open three and they had a layup opportunity that they just missed. But um, I think Leakey's getting more comfortable in the ball handling role. So it'll be interesting to see um, if maybe that's a way they can get more ball movement is having Leakey at the point and Anthony maybe more off the ball. But um, but you never know. Um, that could have just been a quick spurt thing that won't last in the long run. But uh, but yeah, like I said, the, the score in transition for a Roy Williams team. It's, who, it's wild. Uh, is the transition guy. You know, like, nobody wants to play faster than Roy Williams, um, except Loyola back in the day. Uh, they, them not being able to score in transition is a major red flag. If they can't score in transition, um, they're going to have a high, hard time scoring, period. And uh, and that's the case this year. Yeah, it'd be like Virginia allowing, like, 60% shooting or something. Exactly. Just- like, if, if Virginia's not going to stop people, they're not going to win games. If Carolina's not going to score in transition, they're not going to win games. Yeah, for sure. Um, getting, I mean, I don't want to completely neglect Duke because I, I tweeted this out. Yeah. Like, I think I think we've been, and I've been guilty of this too. I think we've judged Duke on a little bit of a different scale. Like, we've judged, I've judged Duke on a Duke scale. 
this year, yes. you know, as yes. opposed to like a college basketball scale uh, this year of college basketball. Absolutely. Like I, I, that's, I think that's an excellent point. Duke, um, Duke has been so ridiculously consistent for, you know, 20 years. Um, they have been a top five team essentially every, almost every single year for 20 years. So it's hard to really put to come, you know, Oh, this is a classic Duke team because we've been, they've been held to such a high standard. And when you watch them, you see games like Boston college, like that first half, and like, you know, like there's something that's not quite there um, with the Duke team. But at the same time, you look at the rest of the country and you're like, well, they're just as good. It's not better than anybody else. Um, so yeah. So I agree. Within the Duke standard, they might not be um, up to what like the top title contending teams we've seen from Duke. But when you compare to the rest of the country, sure, you know, um, I think honestly, 2010 was the same way. I think I, I would, I wouldn't think that's one of the great Duke teams of all time. But they just sort of sort of managed to you know win games. Kept they had some good senior or good leaders on that team, and and wound up winning the national title. Um, I have no idea if that's the, that's the case this year. You know, a lot of luck goes in the tournament, you know, matchups, things like that. But um, I do think they're one of the three or four best teams in the country. Whether that means they can cut down the nets is a completely different um, different question. Yeah, and I mean, I think the way they've used their depth has been intriguing. Mm-hmm. I did know, I did know that they would shorten the rotation and that they wouldn't continue sure. to use, you know, but. You know, he's sort of been able to rotate between a few guys that whoever he can trust on a given night. Javin Delore has been playing way better. Um, getting Wendell Moore back helps a ton defensively, yeah. especially for them. Yeah, and then you see Joey Baker come in and have two huge buckets the other day, and he hadn't he didn't play at all the previous game. Um, so that's one thing Coach K's never been shy about. If you struggle, he's going to take you out. He's not going to force rotations. Um, we've seen uh, Alex O'Connell come in this year have one possession where he just let open a wide open three and then coach K yanks him right back out. So he's not, he's not scared to uh, sit you based on how you're playing. He's not married to any rotation, but yes, correct. As the year goes along, he, I mean, as most any level of basketball, once you start playing more important games, you're going to stick to your core best players um, because you've discovered who they are by playing numerous players throughout the season. Roy Williams is, is famous for that, much to uh, the dismay of many of his, his fans. But um, but yes, I have seen Duke shorten the rotation, but they had many options to shorten that rotation, much more so than last year. Um, I think that's probably the biggest difference between the teams is last year was so, so thin, but so elite, like all their players were living dead. Yeah. But they were so short. Um, so if Zion got in foul trouble or RJ Bear got in foul trouble, they were in, they really struggled. Um, yeah. that's where I think this year, um, outside of maybe Vernon Carey getting in foul trouble, they can, even if Trey Jones does, I think Goldwire's done a good job. I think, uh, they can, they can, uh, survive those type of situations. Yeah. And that's where, you know, you can look at it and say it's Duke Carolina, anything can happen, but like yeah. they, Duke has just so many options. If one guy's not going well, I mean, obviously they're going to try to get Vernon Carey into foul mm-hmm. trouble. He's been susceptible to at times, but I yep. mean, even if that's the case, like if they've got guys hitting from outside, you know, that's. Oh, well, yeah, they're not a great shooting team again this year. But if they if they or if Goldwire is making shots like he did against Pitt, um, you never know. If Joey Baker is going to come in um, and make shots. Trey Jones, obviously, you want them. Your best option is to make him shoot. But if he's making shots, you know, you have to live with that. Uh, the Vernon carry is is the key. I think we talked about UNC getting the ball down low. Um, they need to try. 
they really need to try against Duke and get him to uh, play. Even if it doesn't foul, at least play defense. Um, I think uh, Brooks and Baycott can, I mean, if they can get him the ball, can at least make him guard, maybe pick up a couple fouls and you never score. They can't, if Carolina just wings it around the perimeter, they're not a good enough shooting team to to be able to hang with Duke, in my opinion. Um, they're going to have to do damage down low and um, try to mitigate mitigate carry. And that is really the wild thing about Carolina's offense, because I talked to Caroline Darney about this on Monday, mm-hmm. and she she was saying, or on Tuesday actually, and she was saying it's wild to me that Virginia and Carolina's offenses are so f- wi- are far apart in the Ken Palm ratings. And I was like, well, the thing is. Carolina just doesn't shoot well and Virginia doesn't shoot well, turns it over and doesn't get to the line and does an offensive rebound. So yes. Carolina <laughs> still, they, they still do Roy Williams things. They still get second chance points. Um, yep. They lead the ACC in second chance scoring about 14 a game. Um, seventh in the, uh, among major con- or yeah, major conference teams. So, I mean, usually they're number one, like pretty clearly, but even a not good team, Carolina team still leads the ACC in second chance scoring. Um, that's what they're going to do. And they try to run. They just aren't finishing. Um, so, yeah, Carolina still scores like it traditionally scores. It just simply can't make shots from outside. You know, yeah, pretty much. Feet. <laughs> Carolina Duke, catch the fever. So we've yes, covered that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, on Saturday, ACC Network kicks us off Miami at Florida State. I say kicked us off. Mm. It's just not really kicking off, although with those well, two Well, it teams. is Miami, Florida State, and yeah. people like to say that's a good foot. But, it's, but, it's, but the best team of all the Miami and Florida – of the Miami, Florida State football, basketball, Miami basketball, or Florida State basketball is by far the best of those four teams. So we'll uh, – We'll we'll call Florida State a basketball school moving forward. I'm sure they'll be very happy with yes. that. I, I know statistically um, this year's FSU defense is not as good as last year's, but I like it better. It's different. Um, oh, I think you like it better because they score off of it. Um, they yeah. don't just stop people; they force it. We saw it. We you saw it against North Carolina the other night. They if you if you have a live ball turnover against Florida State, they're scoring. Um, that's what happens when you have, you know a hundred players that can come in and force turnovers and they're all six foot eight and athletic and, and long. It is, I mean, it's, it's remarkable what, um, how every single year that team has the same identity and does it so well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they, you, I, I think you like their defense more. Don't put words in your mouth, words in your mouth, but because their defense creates offense, um, whereas traditionally they just sort of stop you. But they turn you over and they get down down the court and, and they can finish with the best of them. This is their highest uh, defensive turnover percentage, uh, I think, yeah. in a while. Yeah, it looks like a long time, actually. So maybe ever. Yeah, actually, ever in the yeah. uh, Lenny Ham era. This is their highest defensive turnover percentage. So Yeah, Eight, 18 um, points per game off turnovers. I mean, if you're getting more, if you're getting a quarter of your points or close to it off turnovers. That's great. Um, you don't have to be that elite um, in a basic offense. You just, I mean, <laughs> that's that's plenty of points. That uh, twenty or eighteen to twenty points just off your defense. Uh, yeah, that that's why I think uh, that's why I think a lot of people are high on Florida State, even though the metrics might not be because uh, it's not just traditional efficiency. Um, they score in different ways. So um, yeah. They also yeah. this is their highest block percentage since 2010. Yeah. That's, so that, that's, that's remarkable for a team that's probably even though they're big, they've had bigger teams. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty. That's that's because all five positions can block a shot. 
Um, they don't have to rely on just Ojo down low or just Chris Comanche oh, Ojo. down low. I know Ojo is on this. I saw a box score the other day in Europe. He's, yeah, Jeff was, Greer uh, yeah. is over there. Um, Same game as the- Marcus Page and uh, uh-huh. now James Michael Ray McAdoo. Is that is that what was that about? Is that this? Are we sure it's the same guy? I don't know, dude. <laughs> James, listen, I covered James. I like James a lot, actually. Really thoughtful kid, nice kid. I just, my advice for him is don't don't add a Ray to your name unless you're trying to become like a serial killer. It is James Michael Ray. Uh, yeah, that, that I saw that and I was like, oh, what what we we added another one. I think he's out of names though. If Wikipedia is correct, he has no more names to add. He is James Michael Ray McAdoo. Uh, oh my god. So. Maybe he'll have a son. Maybe he does have a son, or and he'll add a senior or something. But um, but yeah, that was that was that was a great box score. Uh, with all those old old school ACC names, it was fun to look at. Yeah, Jeff Jeff sent me a text and said he was um he was going to do a story on Ojo's shoes. I don't know if he ever did, um, but he was trying to get him. Um, because you need a second Je- closet for all those for how big they are. Those are the, uh, yeah. <laughs> He, uh, yeah, Jeff is actually, he worked for the athletic last year covering Louisville for those who don't know. And he is, um, his, his wife is a travel writer. And so he's spending a year in Europe and he's decided to sort of, you know, check out some European basketball. And if you follow him on Instagram, you will hate him like I do. A travel Um, writer. Yeah. Yeah. So he's spending this year in Europe and she's doing her travel writing and he's, oh my God. I know. I, I, every time he like <laughs> posts a picture from a beach in Croatia, I'm like, "All right, all like, right." Let me go. Dude. Let me go string this game real quick. Between, uh, I'll, I'll send. I'll send an article back for the AP to run in Raleigh on, on yeah. Marcus. Marcus Page is doing. It's wild. I know. That's it's great. it's like living the dream, man. Good. Good for Jeff. Um, good Miami. Miami is actually low key the most like injury plagued team yeah. in this league, they, and that includes UNC. So they weren't. They didn't. They started the same starting lineup every game this season until that Carolina game a couple weeks ago when McGusty and Likes um, sat out. Um, Wasn't there another guy though that was like missing for the first half of the season or something like that? I don't know. Maybe I'm not making a starter. Up. Maybe, but um, okay. but yeah, but no. Since since that game, the, I mean, I mean, you take McGusty and and Likes off of Miami and it's um, poor poor DJ um, takes some. You want shot selection. Um, he has shot selection issues, but at the same time, he has to. Um, they they just they can't score. Um, and even when with likes, um, unfortunately, when your best player is five foot eight, that really that really limited your ceiling. Um, Brian, he's, he's, great, he's a great player and he's fun to watch, but um, it's going to be hard for 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 someone even as good as he is to carry you through an entire ACC season. Um, and when you lose him and McGusty, who's a great transfer, it's a great gift for them um, as, as, as his compliment. They, um, it's been a rough couple of years in Miami. Um, I think, I think Larenick is a great coach, but he is, he's struggling with the, doesn't really have a lot of pieces to work with at the moment. Brian, he's not five, eight. He is not. Well, I can't, I can confirm. You know, publicly he is. Yeah, I know. I, I, I've been trying. I've been trying since his since his career began to like get actually right next to him. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would love to watch that. Oh, oh, he's listed to five seven. So excuse me, but uh, but he. Yeah. So 
Yeah, I would love to see that in the locker room as you kind of slide in to try to interview him. And you just see you see Lauren slowly moving beside Chris Likes to finally measure up. So you have one more chance at the ACC tournament, likely on a Tuesday against North Carolina or something like that. Maybe there, oh, won't, God. Be many, maybe there won't be many people around, and you can go finally, finally measure them up. There, uh, I've tried at Cameron just to get close enough, and people are like, "He is n- if he's taller than you, it's not by much." So I think he's like five five max. That makes just it even my... that makes it even more impressive. Like he, he's, yeah, he's, he's he's something to watch. I love he's gonna him. Score, he's going to score a lot of points in professional basketball, wherever that may be. He's going to have a really good career. Um, but he's been the, he's been a joy to watch. I hope he can get back on the court more consistently for these for these last few games. Harlan, Harlan Beverly, though, having a nice stretch. Yeah, um, the two Beverlys last night. We're going back and forth. Um, I love that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's they they him and uh, and what's what's the other guy's name? Um, I'll remember off the top of my head in one second. It is. Uh, I, oh, Isaiah, he's, he's averaging. Yes, Isaiah Wong. Isaiah yes. Wong, yeah. Yes. Those, Both freshmen. Yes. He, I mean, he's averaged, what, like 13, 14 points per game? Um, really since McGusty kind of got banged up. Um, but yeah. he's been he's been a nice find for them. Um, and, yes, Harlan Beverly as well um, out of Montverde. So, like, you know, he's played against the competition. He's played against the, the – he has had top-tier teammates. He knows what it takes. But, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, is it a thing of, like, somebody's got to score? Or are these going to be players for the future of future of Miami? Um, I like to think the latter, but um, but yeah, if they could, uh, those guys seem to be the next the faces of Miami basketball moving forward. Yeah, a state has the weekend off. Um, getting to them, they were able to yeah. win. Um, they were it, able it was, to score, which is big. That was a must win for them. Um, if we're being frank, they could not lose that game. Um, because if you watch NC State, you I at least me. That I, they look like a tournament team to me. They just, I mean, they they have even all now. That. Um, yeah, like well, maybe maybe getting off the bus, NC State looks like a tournament team, and then the basketball game starts, and sometimes they don't. But keep in mind, they still have to pick sixty-eight teams for this NCAA tournament. Um, and to me, just looking at their talent, let's just say that they they are a NCAA tournament talented team. Um, yes, agree. Uh. Markel Johnson had been in a little funk, seemed to snap out of it last night. Certainly CJ Rice getting 20 last night is massive for them. You can't, yeah. you can't, um, I, I, you, you never know. I mean, concussions are scary things, but the back-to-back zero-point games against Georgia Tech and North Carolina, I really, really, for NC State's sake, hope they don't look back at those. They, I hope they're not one of the first teams left out and have to look back at those two games um, when poor CJ Rice was held scoreless and look at if we just won one of those games. Um, because that could, that'd be a big bummer for a guy that has been a, been a, a godsend to NC state. Um, but for them, I do think it's going to come down to the NCAA tournament, just like last year, um, them and, or did for them in Clemson and I mean, NC state didn't make it, but Clemson definitely got knocked or knocked out by, uh, by NC state. I believe that's what happened. Um, yeah, they did. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think we're going to be going all the way through Greensboro for NC State's NCAA tournament chances because I we know they have the talent. It's, it wouldn't surprise anybody in the world if they beat Duke in PNC. Um, they have plenty of opportunities left, but they just are so up and down. Um, but at least to me, I think talent will eventually win out for them. Um, they're not turning teams over like a traditional Kevin Keats team. 
Nope. Um, and they're the worst. They're the worst shooting team in the country. Well, until last night, since the New Year, um, I just don't think that'll continue. Um, they'll start hitting some shots. Um, they just can't lose to teams like Miami, um, which they avoided last night. Um, unfortunately, yeah. they had two losses to Georgia Tech, a loss to North Carolina, um, which aren't going to help their resume. They really need to pick off a Florida State or a uh, or a Duke here in the remaining games. But um, at least just looking at their talent. They look like an NCAA tournament team. Um, and again, even though Cuts College basketball is not great this year, they aren't going to shrink the NCAA tournament. They still have to pick 68 teams. Um, and I think they'll be right there um, going into the ACC tournament. Are we sure there aren't just 68 Big Ten teams they could pick? Or yeah, How about that? 12 Big Ten teams. That'd be something. Like I, I don't I, think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen either. Do you know what's crazy? Is Michigan, or Ohio, or Michigan and Ohio State are, are just tumbling. Um, wouldn't that be something if one of those teams didn't make it after how they started the season? Um, but Penn State, like it's, it's you have these teams, Penn State Penn out State. of nowhere, love it. Um, like they're, I had they're, Penn State ahead of Michigan State, I think, in my ballot last week. Anyway, and, yeah, and Michigan State's quite like if you look at the free season top five, like Michigan State, Florida, Florida had to come oh. back from twenty two down the other day. Um, you know, it's um, I mean, I don't know if Carolina was in maybe five or six. Uh, obviously they've tumbled. Um, yeah, this year has been wonky. Uh, it has summed up by, by, uh, by the Commodores last night against LSU, uh, oh my God. which is crazy. You, if, if I was thinking about this, if you're a Carolina fan or, or Virginia fan or a state fan, they struggled offensively and you watch that game and you're like, Vanderbilt just scored 99 points against <laughs> the number. I think it's a top 20 team. Why on earth can we not score 60 points against any? Yeah, I think that's what makes it more frustrating for everybody, honestly, is because like for all of those teams, because it's like it's not like college basketball is that great this year. So it's like, why can't we score? Um, exactly. And I think it's I mean, I, it's hard to tell why. Maybe everyone wants to point to the three point line, the three point line moving back like five inches or whatever it was has is not why people can't score. Um, <laughs> like the, it's not like they were taking all their three pointers right on the edge last year. Um, now they just take a bunch of long twos. Yes, yes, yes. We we all know that. But um, but I think it's the lack. Of, I mean, they college basketball lost a ton of talent. Not even at the not just at the top with the Zions and the Barretts, but even throughout a bunch of good oh, yeah. seniors. Um, your Luke May types. A lot of teams lost great players like that. Um, and that's going to hurt. But um, but it'll bounce back, and we'll have in a few years some of the younger players will get older, and we'll, they'll have some. Good talent, and uh, you'll have better one and done classes. It's not a good class for that either. Um, no. So, so I mean, it'll bounce back. But I, I think it's. I mean, yeah, the quality of play might not be great, but I mean, it's going to make for a lot of drama. I think, which is really, people don't watch the NCAA tournament to see how well a team runs an offense. If we're being honest, they run the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament to see crazy buzzer beaters and upsets and things like that. So if that's what you're in it for. Um, I think you might get it. I know Joe is says that a team other than Louisville, Duke, and or Florida State is going to win the ACC tournament. That would quite yeah. frankly shock me because I don't think any any teams even close to those three teams. So they have to pull quite a few upsets. But uh, but yeah, like I think that I think that would be more. I think more something like that would happen in NCAA tournament than the yeah. ACC tournament. Um, I could see it. So uh, should be a lot of fun for yeah. if, if for nothing less than ignoring how bad the actual basketball is. 
Speaking of bad basketball, we'll breeze through some of these. Uh, yes. 12, 12 o'clock, Boston College, Virginia Tech. Okay. Uh, it, yeah, look, breeze you through had, that. Had... Virginia, Tech, Virginia Tech is in a free fall. Oof. Like, it, it's not fair to hold them to that. Like, they, they were training yeah. like a tournament team. And it's really not fair to hold them to that standard because they they were, quite frankly, supposed to be the worst or among the worst teams in ACC yep. this year. Um, and I think, unfortunately, they were reverting to where a lot of people thought they were. Um, so, you know. They at this point they there's not much I think they can do, um, but certainly BC is playing better. Um, they obviously, beat you in North Carolina played well against Duke, um, but yeah, that's they, that, they that's defend a, that's a game with help. Saturday. Yeah, that's a game on it is, Saturday. It is a that game of basketball that is happening. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, and speaking of that, also Georgia Tech at Pitt. Uh, sure, um, two teams, two teams that are going to get somebody. Um, yes, for sure. They, uh, especially Georgia Tech, yep. I actually think they're. I actually think they're. They got talent. Um, Alvarado and uh, experience, Moses, right? And Banks, yes, those are three good ACC basketball players. Um, I don't know what will result in. They're still eligible for the tournament. If people didn't know, they haven't. Wait, they are. Yeah, they haven't appeal. They're having appeal out, um, and it hasn't <gasps> been, and it hasn't been answered or replied. Now the NCAA, like. Sure, there's obviously the stuff like this. So I need to get back to him, but doesn't don't the Georgia Tech people and they see people need to plan? Like they need to get their hotels in Greensboro. They need to book their flights. Like does it is like that? I mean, I feel like there's a lot of planning in that, not just actual like going to the tournament. Um, so they when still does the NCAA stuff. care about things like that? Yeah, yeah, no, no. But like they, I mean, so they still technically have stuff to play for, um, which is good for them. Um, I maybe I don't know if there's any worries about like self-imposing this. I don't know, but um, they are right now. If the t- ACC tournament started tomorrow, um, they'd be there. So um, wow, it wouldn't okay. surprise me to see them to to knock off a team or two in that event for sure. The Georgia Tech Ruiners. Yep. Yes. That that yes. track. Air guitar and um, all the way to Thursday in the ACC tournament. I'm going to skip I'm going to skip what I think is like actually low key the most compelling game of the weekend and we'll get back to it um and just go to the get breeze through the other two wake at Syracuse um mm-hmm. yeah okay. I mean Syracuse another another a can't lose game for Syracuse if you want to stay remotely close to the bubble um Olivier Saar is 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 a good basketball player but Syracuse should I mean if you want to win if you want to make into a tournament you can't lose that game at home no, you definitely can't. Um, and all right, and then the Sunday game. Yes, I mean, I'm feel I'm starting to feel some kind of way about Notre Dame again. I don't know. Finally. Somebody talked me out of it. Finally, um, they're uh-huh. I mean, we, we've we've all known what it is with them. It's shooting. Um, they have so many players on paper that should make all the shots. Um, Gibbs, Hub, Goodwin. Lashevsky, Fluger, like they have so many, they should be able to put a lineup out there. And obviously Mooney of five guys that can make three pointers. Um, but obviously college basketball players are inconsistent shooters. Notre Dame has been inconsistent, but I mean, they're five and six in the ACC. Um, the problem is they, they don't yet, you know, have as with most teams, they don't have that win. Um, yeah. I don't think they've beaten a ranked team. Yeah, the ranked teams they played, uh, well, at North Carolina, start, loss, Maryland, loss, uh, Louisville, loss, Florida State, loss. Their best win, man. Syracuse. Uh, yeah, Syracuse, at Syracuse, and maybe at Georgia Tech. 
<laughs> um, yeah. They just are so lacking in good wins. But they just won three straight at all at home. And their next three at Clemson, at Virginia, at Duke, um, you know, that'll decide their fate. They're five, um, five, straight, five straight games now shooting over 36% from three. And that's, that's a Mike Bray offense. Um, yeah. I mean, they lost by one to Florida at Florida state. Um, they lost by three to Louisville. So they're right there. They play a ton of close games. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, so just one or two, it's, if you're playing a ton of close games, just one or two threes going in, is going to get you the win. Um, so it'll be interesting. Uh, little John is a hot and cold environment. Um, I think it'll be more cold for the Irish. It's not Duke or Carolina or, you know, a ranked Louisville. So I, I'm guessing the crowd will be a little more tepid. Maybe trick them into thinking it's like a football scrimmage. Yeah, exactly. Well, Clemson heads to Notre Dame this year in football. That uh, oh. the, the Irish should not be looking forward to that. But um, maybe they should be looking forward to going to Clemson in basketball. Big opportunity. You win four straight, get to 500 in the, in the ACC that that would set up actually a sneaky massive game at Virginia on Tuesday um, yep. <clears throat> for both teams really. Uh, so yeah, hopefully they can get it done. I, I I've I was high on them before the season. I know a lot of people were, um, but it's come down to making shots, as you said. They're finally making a few few threes. Yeah, and uh, speaking of shot making, that gets us to the game that I am the most interested in seeing. You know how it plays out is Virginia uh, at Louisville. Um, oh yeah, that two pa- the pack line versus pack line. Yeah, this is um, <laughs> uh, uh, Tony Bennett has had no issues with Louisville. Yeah, <laughs> um, Louisville's nightmare fuel. Yeah. Yes. Now, if he can, if he can take this Virginia team, although we did see uh, Louisville, Louisville can't mess around like they did um, against Wake. Although when you mess around against Virginia, you're kind of down by like six, so it's not the worst thing in the world. But they, this is not a game I think Louisville can afford to um, sort of just you know lollygag around for a half. Um, I think I I personally think Louisville has the highest ceiling. I know a lot of people say Duke. I think Louisville has the highest ceiling in the ACC as far yeah, as I national contender title contenders. They are just they have. They have a top-tier player, or a player at each one of their positions has shown top-tier ability at some point in every game this season. Yep. Um, for the first, you know, half of the season, all it was was Wara. Like, Wara was just, you know, wrecking shop. But we've seen since then David Johnson at Duke. We've seen Enoch against Clemson. We've seen Malik Williams step up. Obviously, we've seen Dwayne Sutton have huge games. He absolutely massacred North Carolina in Chapel Hill last year. Um, so... So many of their players can step up and be great. Um, but the problem is they've lost, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, nine straight to uh, to Virginia. Um, yeah. So, and they have, how many points per game have they scored in the last nine? They've averaged Oof, it's gonna be 50, 57 points per game in those nine games. They've it's shot. Actually more than I thought. <laughs> they've shot 38% from the field. So, Oof. like, uh, yeah, that's not from three. That's from the field. Um, oof, oof, it's a oof. different, different animal for for um, Louisville when playing Virginia. Um, so we'll see. Um, sometimes you might just need a guy to go get a bucket, and they certainly have that guy in Wara. 
And um, and I'll I'll say this too, like this is this is year two under Chris Mack. Yeah. And they don't play the exact same pack line, obviously, no. but it has those tendencies. <laughs> so it's not like it's something they're not used to seeing plenty of. That's um, what people say. Like it's funny. It's like when Georgia when Paul Johnson was a Georgia oh, Tech. Oh, well that's true. <laughs> you play like they play like, you know, Georgia Southern or someone like that and like, oh well, you practice against us every day. I'm like, well, yeah, you do, but you don't. You know, like, yeah, right. you know, you can't practice against a full spread option or read option. You just can't. It's like too dangerous. You know, just you just can't. You can't. And I think the same way, you can't practice against Virginia's pack line. It's just different. Um, but you could. But what you can do is practice against their offense. You just get rid of the rims. And then you can just practice against Virginia's yeah. offense. So, although, so that, so prepare. although Virginia now in the last two games, 12 of 32 from three, which for them is like smoke and red. 12 hot. threes in two games for Virginia is like a season's That's, worth. Well, they, and they have 20 in the last three, which is oh. like, whoa. I know, but, break up the Cavaliers. But I mean, they they uh, they got enough. I mean, I maybe it was okay. Uh, Kihei Clark last night was purely a distributor. Um, I think he had double digit assist and like one or two points maybe. Um, so I kind of like that out of him, um, especially yeah. against a team of Louisville size. Uh, I think Kia Clark might find it difficult at the rim on yep. um, on Saturday. So if you can find your your guys that are of equal size to Louisville, your Jay Huffs, your certainly Diakite. For Virginia to win, I think Diakite needs to be need to be the best player on the floor. Um, and uh, Braxton Key, who stepped up since his wrist has started to heal, you know, he had a yep. big game shooting last night. Um, I think those three guys that are sort of physically can match up with Virginia will be uh, will be big keys for the Hoos. Yeah, and I, I'm with you on Kihei, who I've been a big stand for on this program. Yeah. Now that he can, now that he's got guys that can finish, he can be that distributor. Mm-hmm. But yeah. that's been a big issue. Yeah, you can't rely on him to score. Um, and his He's, assist rate is still one of the best in the country sure. in spite of the fact that they've been so bad offensively. Mm-hmm. He, he finds guys in good positions. Um, it's just a matter if he finds them before they turn it over, you know, things like that. It, it, their turnover problems this year are, are bizarre considering how slow they play. Um, that really shouldn't happen. Uh, but if he can, if they can avoid the turnovers, which, um, I mean, Kia Carr can typically find guys in good positions. It's just – Two of the three things you need for a good offensive play, Virginia, is avoiding the turnover, finding someone in a good position, and making the shot. And they've struggled with the first and third, the avoiding the turnover and the making the shot. Um, but the middle part, Kihei Clark finds guys in good spots. Um, so if they can if they can mitigate the first and third, they should be all right. Or at least it yeah. should be a, a, a competitive game, I should say. Yeah, for sure. I'm 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 intrigued. I won't be able to watch it because I'll probably have to be at the Smith Center at like you know three thirty or something. But <laughs> well, uh, it's okay. What are they feeding you? I don't know yet. I I don't think it'll be a Bojangles night because like mm. the national media is in town, so they'll probably want to have like something fancy, like maybe Cafe Carolina. Oh, so a little which I like. Action. Maybe, maybe, yeah, or maybe yeah. they go. Oh my God, what's that deli off right off fifty four? You know what I'm talking about? Um, what is the- it called? The Cape Cod, the that the yeah the oh my god how do I forget the name because I literally had my like bridesmaids luncheon there oh that's good so it's more of a you problem Nantucket yes Nantucket I was like Cape Cod yeah Nantucket that's exactly right they've had Nantucket before they might just go a little fancy um are you going to be there on Saturday well not uh, unfortunately I know I mean it's my 
Yeah, no, I won't. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be. I should be at the AC tournament. I don't know, but I'm not going to be at uh at at this Duke game. I think that's okay. I want some other people. I mean, I'm not just saying this because because uh, it might not be a great game. I want other people to. I've been to a lot of them, and I want other people to uh, to sort of experience it because it's just different, you know, that game. So, and a lot of people up at ESPN would never even have a chance to go to that game if not for work. So I like seeing, I like talking to, I like other people going, I like talking to them, what it was like, what their experiences were. So I, I see, I see you to enjoy it. I see you working. You, you send them to the one that's going to be trash and you'll go to one that's good later. Well, I if I was going to go to one that's trash, <laughs> I wasn't trash. I'd be going to Cameron because that one could be a little worse than this one. Uh, that's true. But uh, I'd send them to Cameron, but uh, no, I won't be, I won't be there this week. Y'all have fun. Oh, we, oh, you know we will. Uh, it'll it'll be interesting because um, who knows? Uh, yep. All right, Brian, we'll get you out of here. Thanks so much for doing this. Definitely gonna have to have you on again. And uh, oh, wait, before I get you out, what's your favorite ACC Network commercial? Oh, um, geez. Well, you see, when you're in the control room, you don't see the commercials. But um, let's see. But I do watch it 24 hours a day when I'm not at work. Uh, so I'd say, um, that little like strainer thing that you put in the bowl, like why I see, see most, most of these commercials I'm like, okay, sure. That could be fun. Um, this one, I'm more like, why do I need this? So maybe when I'm asking, why do I need this? I really need it because I don't, I know, know, I don't even know how much I need it. I feel like that's largely how a lot of these ads work, where we we are, we're like, wait, why do we need this? And then we're like, you know what? It's it's the the TV version of the um, back of the airplane magazine, uh, old magazine where you can. Oh, Sky Mall. Yeah, it's the TV version of Sky Mall. It's wonderful. I, it is. I, it's I love great. it. All right, Brian, uh, we'll definitely have to do this again. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Lauren. I appreciate it.